Hello, and welcome to Inside Exams. I'm Craig Barton. I'm a maths teacher with 15 years of classroom experience. I have a solid understanding of how to navigate parents' evening and explain square roots, but exams? They're a completely different ballgame. I have so many questions about the intricate inner workings of exam boards, and I'm sure you've got your own too. So across this series, I'm asking what inside knowledge would make your life as a teacher a little easier, before venturing out to find the people with the answers. Today, I'm tackling post-match hysteria. We've all seen it happen. From the moment our students are asked to put their pens down, the worried whispers begin. It quickly becomes clear that one question in particular confused or frustrated them. The fretting floods across the playground in a game of Chinese whispers, gathering momentum as it makes its way from the exam hall to the lockers to the canteen. And in the past few years, it hasn't stopped there. A single exam question can go viral online within minutes as kids desperately try to figure out if others share their anxiety. So, is the frenzy warranted? Do exam boards mean to cause such hysteria? Or is it our kids who are overreacting? And can social media have the effect of making a real mountain out of the molehill? As always, before I leave the comfort of my classroom, I need to know what else you need to know. Hi, I'm Rachel Carter and I'm a geography teacher. After most exams, there tends to be a particular question that a lot of students have struggled with and they'll often give that one question a disproportionate amount of attention in the playground and actually on social media afterwards. What should I be telling them about the importance of those more unexpected questions? And are you looking out on social media for what students have struggled with? I think you've picked up on something important there, Rachel. These more unexpected questions do have merit, but it'd be really useful to understand the reasons why exam boards feel they're so important. And as for how much they monitor post-exam viral posts on social media, I've absolutely no idea. I'm going to meet Raquel Gomez-Frias, because as AQA's social media manager, she'll definitely be able to enlighten us. Okay, Raquel. So first off, thank you so much for inviting us into AQA HQ today. In every exam season, it's always kicking off on Twitter these days. As social media manager, I'd imagine you're the first person who has to deal with any kind of outbreak of controversy. So to kick things off, can you give us some examples of any questions that have proved particularly controversial? Yes, I can give you quite a few of them, actually. So, for example, last year we had one question in our GCC chemistry paper. In, I think it was paper one. So it was about James Chatwick. So apparently some of the students thought that that question never would come up in an exam because they thought it was never included in this spec. Oh. So we were like, oh, my God, how can this happen? <laughs> we obviously trust our experts. But anyway, we went to the spec to see if they were right, because, you know, we can be wrong sometimes. We realized, actually, is there in the spec? So what are they talking about? <laughs> uh, because they were also sharing some screenshots of the spec. And we were like, oh, my God, they might have been photoshopped it. Yes, Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But the truth is that they were not including the whole part of the spec oh, where okay. it was explaining you need to learn this. So, so panic, panic set in, but we were all right Yeah, with that one. so we decided, OK, we need, we need to talk about this. Um, we need to stop these, you know, rumors going all over the, <laughs> all over the Internet. 
Right. So what we did was we basically took a screenshot of the actual part of this. They were explaining, you need to learn this. And we posted it on social media. And it was probably one of the most engaging posts we had had <laughs> in ages because it had more than 100 comments. Wow. 82 retweets, 400 likes. We never get that kind of engagement yeah. in, in one of our organic tweets. It's very weird for us to go viral. And in this case, we really went viral. I guess it was quite helpful to do that because it was a way of, if you like, stopping fake news from spreading yes, and yes. from creating more confusion among those students who were like, no, no, this question was okay. It, it, it was in the spec. What are you talking about? So <laughs> I want to think that by doing these things, we, we stop this kind of like rumors spreading and causing more stress. And also it's not only rumors and conversations online. Also the media might pick up on all these conversations online. And we have seen tons of coverage of Twitter conversations from students who are not happy about one of the questions or whatever in our exams. So we have been doing a lot of work, like trying to find these things that are not true and calling them out just to, to stop these very unhelpful pieces of maybe media coverage. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any other examples of, of contentious questions? I love these. I have another that's also about last year. I don't know if you have heard about carrots and potatoes. <laughs> I haven't, but tell me more. So I really don't know why, why this question was so controversial because actually one of the things of the reform GCSEs is that uh, we put a greater emphasis on applying and using knowledge. It's not like learn something and just yes. vomit all the things that you know <laughs> yeah. in the exam, write everything as you learn it. It's like learn something and then apply your knowledge. And this is across all subjects. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, for example, in GCC Science, 40% of the marks will be for applying that knowledge mm -hmm. in unfamiliar context. So in this case, they had learned a question about osmosis. Mm. It was in GCSE Biology. And that question featured carrots in the exam, but they had learned that with potatoes during the course. So, oh my God, carrot gate. So we started seeing lots of memes about potatoes and carrots and we couldn't understand what was going on. So as an example on how that hits the assessment objectives, the point here was that the students should have realized that the carrot works in a similar way. So... Even though they haven't been taught explicitly about osmosis in carrot, everything they have been taught holds true for this unfamiliar situation. So many of our questions will also focus on how well students can apply what they know to practical situations, often in unfamiliar contexts. And of course, these are requirements that come from the Department for Education. You, you have to test, as you say, a certain proportion has to be on kind of using and applying. So are you kind of, as an awarding body, bound by certain restrictions or guidelines to the kind of questions you have to ask, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Of course, we obviously need to follow all the regulations. We are bound by that. And I say one of the things is very clear. You need to be able to apply your knowledge. So this was the case with the potatoes and the carrots. So <laughs> there were lots of like different conversations. Some people were saying, oh, this was a brilliant question. Yes. Uh, they have really followed the rules in, in a fantastic way. There was a teacher like explaining in a blog post why this was a really good question. And then some other teachers were outraged, like, oh my God, we teach this with potatoes <laughs> and now they are asking about carrots. What is this about? <laughs> Again, we, we reacted to this and I think it was the right thing to do because the question definitely wasn't a problem. It was just a way of testing their knowledge. 
and the way they apply it in unfamiliar contexts. Can we do the day of carrot gate then? So let's just imagine the exam's been sat in the morning. Was it a biology exam? So what time do you first become aware and how do you become aware that it's carrot city going on outside? I think this was one of the first controversial things of the summer 2018. <laughs> so what actually happens is that the minute after they finish their exams... They switch on their phones and they just go online and go to, in that case, was hashtag AQA biology. Right. And they're like, ooh, some funny things here. Oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, wait, memes. Oh, potatoes, bugs, bunny. Fantastic. <laughs> hashtag AQA carrots. This is like a soon after the exam's yeah, finished. Yeah, literally minutes. And, and are you actively, you're looking on Twitter, are you? Think- we are looking at every single tweet. Do you know what I'm picturing here? I'm picturing like uh, like <laughs> yeah. some kind of uh, secret service thing where you've got loads of different screens and you've got Twitter up we here, do, Facebook up there. This is we what do. I'm saying. We do, and we search for like keywords. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like for example, the day that we have AQA biology, that's the You're hashtag that, we are right, looking okay. for. And it's quite funny when, you know, we get a lot of backlash Yes. on social media. We get lots of funny things, but also not so funny things. Yeah. So sometimes they are like, oh my God. Can you imagine if AQA is seeing what we are posting? And that's my star moment that I go and I say, actually, we are looking at every single tweet. So, you know, feel free to share whatever you want, but we are going to see it. And they're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. We have broken the Internet, the exam board. They have replied to us and then they get all their friends retweeting and screen grabbing that conversation. And it's just like a moment of like, oh, I've been replied by the really boring exam board probably a very old person trying to do twitter <laughs> and it's it's just it's just a great a great moment when we can actually engage with students so you're in the room you've got the multi-screens up and yep. something starts happening on twitter people are chatting about a particular question can you talk me through what's the internal process look like what do you do first yeah so we would look at all these incoming tweets. We try to understand what's happening um, because obviously we are not experts in every single thing of the all the subjects. So we would call the relevant um, curriculum team mm. and we will tell them this is what we're seeing on Twitter. What do you think? Is there something wrong with what we have asked them? At the same time, we would have our customer service on hold and we will tell them there's something going on. Hold on, you might get calls. <laughs> Wait a second. So once we know what's happening, we might put some lines together and start responding you know sometimes we deal with very difficult things on on social but sometimes it's it's quite fun and like for example last year we saw a pattern the carrots question was quite in the beginning of the exams but then throughout the whole season whenever in the morning we were checking a paper and seeing some sort of food (laughs) right we were like, okay, this is going to be viral. Because for some reason, there were a lot of eggs. There was another question about radioactive bananas. Like, they had to measure the radiation. So that obviously became super, super viral. Can you give so, us some examples of some of the yeah, tweets? Yes, so, so basically there was this theme of like, my God, AQA people, they are super hungry. <laughs> oh, have they been locked in a room for such a long time that they didn't eat? And they wrote all these questions about food. So we started to see tweets like, first carrots, now bananas, think the AQA examiners were hungry were making the exam paper. <laughs> X in biology, now bananas in physics. I'm beginning to think AQA were really hungry when they wrote the exam papers. And then a lot of memes of like, oh, banana, oh, feed me. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> in these moments, I'm like, oh my God, this is funny. But yeah, it's, it creates a lot of noise. Once you've confirmed with the curriculum team that it isn't a problem. Yeah. And you're kind of seeing the funny side. How do you kind of formulate your response? What, what's your technique? Do you go in with kind of an official response saying, look, this was on the specification? Or do you take a more kind of humorous approach to it? What, what's your approach for that kind of first line of communication back from AQA? We evaluate case by case. Mm. There is no like a magical formula for every single response on social media. Yes. It's not only me or maybe someone in my team replying to tweets. There are a lot of, lot of people in the organization replying to tweets and creating content for social media. So every single thing needs to be looked at. Sometimes like in the chat week example, we had to go with a very strong reaction. You know, we have seen the conversations. Uh, this was for sure in the specification. Yes. But in other cases, we, we can't even reply with some like more funny things. Someone was saying something like, oh, I've heard that we aren't allowed to tweet GCC memes this year. So I don't know, maybe some schools were telling their kids, you know, Forget about tweeting, yeah. you know, focusing your exams. So I guess, you know, there were some questions about that. So we replied with a meme of a cat saying no. So, you know, there are some like very specific moments where we can be funny, but we we never forget that we are an exam board and we have a very, very important role to play. And we understand that we are not really their friends. Yes. But we are human as well. And we try to understand them and make them feel a bit better because, you know, we all have been through exams and it's not the best time of our lives. <laughs> I'll tell you what interests me, and I've noticed this as a teacher, and I don't know if, if you've noticed this, Raquel. I think, particularly over the last two years, students are going into the exam, perhaps not thinking as much about the biology content or the mathematics content, but thinking, what good tweet can I send us once I come out of this exam? They're looking for those funny tweets to make them a social media superstar. Definitely. I'm glad when I did my exams, social media didn't exist because I'm sure it's incredibly difficult to deal with that pressure on top of all the pressure you have of like memorizing everything and trying to do your best in the exam. I actually went to speak with a bunch of kids in a school the other day just to understand how they feel about how we communicate with them and how we can do things better. Yeah, I asked them that question, yeah. like, when you go to an exam, are you thinking about what's going to happen <laughs> after the exam on social media? Are you thinking about the funny tweet you are going to write? And they were a bit shy, but then they <laughs> were like... Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because I guess a student's only experience of AQA is the exams that they sit and they, they sit them when it's, you know, a high pressure, yeah. stressful environment. So you associate AQA with scary anxiety and so on, because that's your only experience. But by you getting out there and speaking to students yeah. and also interacting with them on social media, it breaks down that barrier, which is also good for the students because they realise th there's, there's human beings behind this process. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's just a bit sad that people outside the organization think we are there to be really bad to them, catching them on. Social media is allowing us that channel to communicate with them directly. We have been quite reactive in the past, but we are trying to be more proactive and explaining the whole process, demystifying the whole thing around exams. So one of the things we did last year is a piece I wrote about exams on social media. So basically the piece was calling out on people who might be posting things on social media that are completely wrong. I did that by using these same tweets, like real stories. So this is actually what happens. And I think we need to be doing more things like that to show that 
we really care and we are humans and we want to help everyone. It sounds to me like social media for you in your role, Raquel, is a bit of a double-edged sword. It can be quite negative in the sense that, again, these things can blow up and spiral out of control, but also it can be quite positive that you can get on top of things and get your message out far quicker than you would have been able to do in the past. Definitely. So if I think back to the exams I took, and I'm not going to tell the listeners how long ago that was, but if there was a bad question on that exam, I had to tell my teacher and the teacher would have to perhaps contact the awarding body and we might as a student I might never hear anything back from it but you can get that response out within you know 15 minutes one hour two hours whatever it is 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 that a big plus for you the fact that you can communicate with a wide audience instantly and control that message yeah it's really important because still in 2019 there are some people questioning whether exam boards should be on social media Mm. and I think they totally should be on social media not only monitoring what's happening but also being there as you say to respond really quickly because sometimes it's almost like a chat you would get an immediate response or like within minutes or in half an hour I want to also comment on the fact that it's not only like negative mm. comments we get. We sometimes get like really positive messages like, oh, I really enjoyed that exam. Thank you for asking the right questions Aww. in the right way. So it's it's nice to be there and also say congratulations. Or for example, in results day, we get quite a lot of tweets saying, oh, I got the grace I wanted. I got in the uni I, I wanted to go. And It's really nice to be able to say congratulations. We are really happy that we were part of of that process and like good luck uh, in the future. And I guess as well, the other positive in terms of social media for you must be that you get a sense of how students and parents and so on are finding both the process of, of taking the exam and studying the course and so on. You're getting much more information and dialogue than you would have got in the past. Would, would that be right? Yeah, definitely. And we also get to talk to them in moments that probably the very scary AQA towers are closed. Yes. For example, last year, during one of the bank holidays, we spent most of the bank holiday replying to a very simple question. For some reason, some of the students decided they were going to write in pencil. (laughs) Some of them were like, oh my God, did I write in pencil? And then the others were like, oh, me too. What are we doing? Oh Oh my God, did we fail that exam? (laughs) It was incredibly, like, I don't know why. It just created a huge conversation. We even had parents saying, oh, my kid came home crying. Mm. She said she wrote that exam in pencil and oh my God, she she thinks she's failed. And we're like, oh no, she didn't fail. You know, we, we are going to make our best to try and understand yes when students write in pencil it's probably more difficult to scan that paper or things like that but it's not a robot oh my god that's a pencil goes to the garbage no (laughs) it's it's a human again who says okay this in pencil let's do it the other way so it scans better so you know, it's, it's very good to be able to reply to them even out of office hours. And I mean, that, like that. That's a brilliant example, because if that happened towards the start of a student's exam series, that could mess them up for the whole exam. If they, they've got hanging over their exactly. head, I failed that exam. That's going to the confidence has gone for all the other ones. But you're able to get that message out there. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Raquel, once again, I've been blown away and I'm desperate to come in on the day of an exam and watch you with your multi screens going on and, and seeing you in action. But I have learned so much from this conversation. So thank you very much for inviting me to AQA today. I think we can all understand the merit in asking questions that encourage students to apply their knowledge to unfamiliar scenarios. But that doesn't mean they're not going to panic when they come across them. 
So, what can we be doing in the run-up to exams to prepare our kids for those difficult moments? And if they do feel particularly anxious or deflated after an exam, what can we do to support them in the immediate aftermath before they resort to venting online? I'm off to meet John Selleck, an English teacher at Range High School, to swap tips. So, John, first off, thank you so much for welcoming us into your classroom today. To begin, can you just give us a bit of context? What kind of school is this? What kind of students do you teach? Yeah, so we're um, 11 to 18, mixed comprehensive in the north of England, northwest. Now, prior to this interview, I spoke to Raquel from AQA, who's AQA's social media manager. And we got talking about questions that seem to throw students in interesting ways. Now, of course, the problem is, and AQA have made this very clear when I've spoken to their experts, that they're obliged to put in a certain number of these so-called unexpected questions, these application of knowledge questions. The exam's supposed to be a portion of it, unpredictable, because there are a requirement to test these certain assessment objectives. So I guess the problem is, how do we prepare kids for the unexpected? Yeah, it's really tricky, actually, because I suppose what we're talking about here is your ability to be creative on the spot with an unexpected question. And we want students to do that. But it's knowledge-based, and at the end of the day, I personally wouldn't expect a student to be able to be creative without the knowledge in the first instance. Something I've done more and more of recently is to look at specific questions that might perhaps be categorised as niche, questions that are a little out of the ordinary, and to look at them on a board using a visualiser and giving a commentary really, going through something on the board in that way and giving a commentary of my thought process. What I would say is I deeply regret the years that I spent ignoring ever doing that, never never considering doing that because I always felt that it was a waste of time to do something that was particularly niche. I would drop that in favour of offering sort of blanket advice yes. that would see them through the majority of their questions. But I think only in seeing a teacher and a, an expert in action talking through their thought process can they realise that it's actually down to them to use their knowledge in the way that I'm doing? This is metacognition, isn't it? This mm-hmm. is a bit of a buzzword these days, but I think that's exactly what you're doing there. You're you're showing the kids, and it'll be, as you say, a niche question. And we have this in maths. It'll be a question that is not going to come up exactly like this in no. the exam. It may, may be absolutely nothing like this in the exam, but that doesn't mean that students experiencing the process of, of seeing you think through how you would answer it essentially giving them a window inside your mind as you try to identify the key words in the question, find out which bit of knowledge they require to do this. That is the important bit of this, isn't it? It's making that process that's invisible to an expert, it's making that visible to the to our novice students, if that makes sense. Definitely. And the fact that it was niche and that it, as you said, probably won't come up in the exam, for me, used to be justification of not doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've completely turned that on its head over the last couple of years or so and I now understand and I can see how much value there is in doing that for the students. I want to talk now about kind of crisis management for want of a better phrase. Just imagine that one of your students comes out of an exam and they're in a blind panic. This is something I've particularly found that whenever this happens early on in an exam series, if a kid gets thrown, it's one of the first exams, the second exam, it can be quite hard to pick them up for the rest of the exams. Is this something you found and, and, and how, do you, how do you cope with that? 
I find it really difficult. I find it really difficult when you see students going the sort of the emotional processes that they do. And there's no doubt that the pressure is there and it's it's more obvious than it was maybe five, six, seven years ago. I suppose you've just got to make sure that you're looking after them and showing that you care as an institution and that they're part of a, a wider family, if you like. It's really hard because it's such a contradiction, isn't it, for us to always build up how important <laughs> yes, exams are. Yeah. <laughs> And then as soon as something goes wrong, start telling them it's not the most important thing in the world. And the kids pick up on that? I think inevitably they do. Quite recently, actually, I had a lesson, a year 12 lesson, so more than a year away. And I just got the sense that we'd done a couple of mocks and things were getting a little bit exam intensive. Mm. And especially at A-level, you'd like to think that that's an opportunity to point kids in the direction yeah. of how beautiful your subject <laughs> is and sure. how, how big it is. We were looking at, I think, a through on a TED talk of some psycholinguistics of nice. some sort I had students some of them quite happy with that you know obviously it's nice sort of 10 minutes to yeah. kind of watch a TED talk who wouldn't want to do that but other students who reacted really very negatively to it because wow. they were they were asking me two, two students who wanted to know where's this on the exam what yes. assessment ob- what assessment objective is <laughs> this is this hitting <laughs> and of course it's you feel under fire and you feel under pressure and you have to go away and you, as we always do we you know we're teachers so we're often we're always questioning ourselves and reflecting on our own practice afterwards i, I thought no I, I i'm right there are times when we should be able to do what i did in, in that lesson and open up a discussion and talk about things that aren't necessarily on the paper the students seem so used to teaching that is assessment objective based and past paper based that they can't move beyond what's there and again, the, the thing that fascinates me from this is that our role as teachers, and this sounds like two teachers moaning about how we've got the hardest job in the world, we need to be so much more than just teaching our subject. We need social media training. We need to be social media managers. And again, we need to be psychologists. We need to be counsellors. We need to do all these things on top of trying to teach our subject. It's, it's a tough old job, and I think it's, it, it's getting harder because of the kind of age we live in. Would you agree with that? Yeah, again, another slight contradiction, I suppose, is that as my teaching over the last couple of years has started to become more explicit and based on not quite direct instruction, but that sort of mm. that sort of idea, it, it's trickier even to switch from that mode into the sort of psychologist, yeah. pastoral caring kind of mode that you're talking about, That's because you're almost putting on a facade when you're doing those sort the sort of lessons that I've just described. That's interesting. It's that switch from here's the knowledge I'm going to teach you and then now let's switch to now let's just take it easy and yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, I find that tricky to be honest and that's why I like some of the DI stuff on paper. I really like the sound of and, and feel like it makes perfect sense but delivering it on a daily basis can be tough when you're dealing with all of the other issues that come into your classroom. We've been teaching roughly the same same amount of time now, yeah. 14, 15 years, something like that. I've certainly noticed a change. I've certainly noticed that the, the kind of pressures increase both on, on teachers but predominantly on students. Firstly, have you noticed this? And secondly, is social media to blame for this? Does, does it play a role? If you specify in exam scenarios, then yeah, absolutely. I suppose you've got to balance that. I know for a fact there are times when students have got some comfort from social media. I mean, speaking to my year 12 recently about their experience when they were in year 11 and asking them about, you know, Instagram and Twitter, etc. 
All of them actually said that there was a couple of Instagram accounts they found really helpful, you know, to the extent that one or two of them said it got me through my exams, it got me through my GCSEs, finishing the exam and going going straight onto that account and trying to seek comfort in what, what was being said and seeing that they were part of a whole population of 16-year-olds taking an exam at, at any given moment. These accounts, these are run by kids. These aren't like awarding body accounts, are they? And what, what's the nature and what kind of things? Presumably, you... they're meme-based. So like, <laughs> the, I think there's a GCS. There's literally an account called GCSE memes and A-level memes. And it's just the comfort is from the fact that other people have found these questions and these exams tricky, so kids know that they're not alone. Is, is that it? Yeah, and then obviously because so many people have taken the same papers, that little in-jokes emerge, which are perfect for treatment as a meme. Just that in itself, as we all know, you know, laughing about those situations and seeing some lightheartedness in them can be very helpful. So, yeah, I suppose that you've got to balance that against the amount of people who will be using social media to come on and vent or express the stress that they're under at that given moment it is it's a really tricky one because you could imagine a child going on feeling anxious that goes on twitter and they see loads of kids if it's a maths exam Mm -hmm. saying i got 17 for for question nine or i got 17 for question nine and then the kid thinks well i didn't get that so all of a sudden oh god i've got that question wrong so there's that that side of it isn't there where whereas before you could kind of say to a child well you know other people will have made that same mistake but then they go on twitter and they all they're seeing is right answer left right and center that can be that can be quite off-putting and that's something that certainly new to me we didn't have to put up with that say five years ago no i suppose it's the online equivalent of having a look at the people on the desks yeah. next to you and seeing them scribbling down yes and you can't think of anything to write we've all been in that scenario and of course the poor kids they still get that but mm. then they, they've got even more of it once the session's finished how soon do you go on twitter after like an english exam would you and i'm thinking back to that child comes to you and says question seven sir you never taught us this is absolute nightmare are you are you straight on twitter i'm now in the habit over the last couple of years of doing a search certainly that evening yes after school or after meetings um i'll find a moment to do a quick search on twitter see if anything's come up what do you do craig i'm interested do you ask kids do you prompt kids to come and see you after the exam do you do that thing of saying come and see us let me know how let me know how it went as soon as it's over funny you should ask that it's it's an interesting one so i've always done that i've always wanted to see the kids after the exam for good or bad reasons because if you've got a child who's had an absolute nightmare I want to have a chance to speak to them and reassure them in the way that we spoke about previously. And likewise, if a child's done well, I want to join in with that moment and, and say, well, let, let's get the momentum. Let's, let's yeah. keep this going. But Twitter has brought a different dimension to this now. So I'm going to say two words to you here, Mr. Salek, that um, may not mean anything to you, but to any maths teacher listening, these will be uh, firing up a light bulb. Hannah's Sweets was the first GCSE maths question. And it was the first one that kind of blew up on Twitter and it was kind of kick-started all the memes it was a, a basic probability question which very quickly escalated into quadratic equations and it was all kicking off and the kids were like what the hell's going on here right. and then a few people started putting it on Twitter and it grew and grew and grew and that for me was the kind of kickstart of kids reacting on social media to, to questions and one of the things that I did differently as a result of Hannah's Sweets because I had loads of kids who were put off by the question but then put off even more when they went on Twitter that night and started feeling anxious about it So we almost do kind of a little bit of kind of crisis management now. So I say to the kids, after you finish your maths exam, particularly if it's paper one and we've got three GCSE maths papers, I say, all of you come to my classroom. So let's say 25, 26 year 11s, come to my classroom straight after the exam and we'll have a talk about it. And that way I can kind of control it. So if kids are upset, I can control that. If kids are happy and getting carried away, I can control that. And I can also say, look, I'm not going to say don't go on Twitter because I'll be honest, I'll be straight on Twitter. But let's not get carried away with it. 
If people are saying that they've also found it difficult, let's take comfort in that. If people are saying they've absolutely nailed it, it was the easiest exam in the world, let's not necessarily believe them. So I think kind of getting on top of that and, and making sure that I'm one of the first people they see, certainly for some kids, I, I think that's kind of given them a little bit of comfort. I suppose there's so many variables, isn't there? And one mm. of the things that we never we never consider in the build-up to the exam is the knock-on effect that one paper will have on their response to the next paper. Or, in fairness to all of the other subjects apart from English and maths, the timetabling of the exam itself and the fact that they'll probably end up taking one in the morning and one in the afternoon. If they have a, a nightmare in the morning exam, whatever subject it might be, how the students then respond in the afternoon is, yes. is, is something that you just can't really account for. So I can s- certainly see there, from a school-wide perspective, why SLT or pastoral members of staff would want to get involved mm. during the downtime, if you like, between the end of the first exam in the morning and the second exam in the afternoon. Would you say overall social media is a good thing or a bad thing? In terms of your job, does it make it easier or harder? Oh, if we're talking social media generally, I think it makes it more difficult. There's no doubt about that. In terms of the student's perspective and their mindset in general, you know, from a pastoral point of view, the students that you're receiving into your lessons are potentially different to the ones that they would be if social media didn't exist. The dramas that social media can throw up in any given school day are way beyond anything we can probably imagine from our earlier teaching years or certainly from when we were at school ourselves. I suppose I'd be interested to know how current PGC students are trained to deal with this because obviously for me and you when we were doing our PGC and for the vast majority of teachers out there in schools now it's never been a thing. Well John you have given me so much to think about in terms of social media and and controversial questions so John thank you so much for inviting me in today I've loved every minute of it. Cheers Craig thank you. Raquel and John have both given me a lot to think about. I'm not sure I considered just how positive a force social media can be after an exam. Raquel's team can quickly quash any little concerns a student might have. And as John pointed out, the laughter and light-hearted breather online communities provide can go a long way towards making a student feel calmer and less alone. Throughout this series, I'll be probing more exam writers, markers and pioneering teachers So if you want to swat up ahead of exam season, make sure you rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, goodbye.